1: It's 1730 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with...
2: Akosia Oche.
1: And coming up over the next 90 minutes.
3: We placed a ban on illegal mining, the phenomenon we call Galamse, which was destroying our water bodies, vegetation, and our forests. These policy initiatives are already using positive results to the attainment of the SDG goals, particularly the goal of reducing our carbon emissions.
1: President Takufado's verdict on his government's fight against Galamse, he says the country is seeing positive results. But is that really the case? We'll be testing his claims here on Eyewitness News. Also coming up, Office of Special Prosecutor freezes Cecilia Abinadapa's accounts again after defreezing it to respect a court order. And later on, eyewitness news some stability on the labor front. Colleges of education teachers call off their strike after losing one month's salary. Stay with 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories. On Eyewitness News and in business,
2: government's ambition to get the next tranche of IMF credits facility gets backing from economists.
1: That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and City TV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations in the Upper West Region. We are on Tumpani Radio 88.5 in Nadoli. We are in Jirapa. On Jirapa, 96.1 FM. In Upper East Region, we are on Rikas, 92.1 FM in Bongo, Namo. In the Northern Region, we are on North Star Radio, 92.1 FM in Tamale. In Northeast, we are on Nobia 98.1 FM in Nalirugu. In the Western Region, on Beach, 105.5 FM in Takradi. And Sky Power, 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Ashanti Region, we are live on Focus, 94.3 in Kumasi and Orange one hundred seven point nine FM, also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are live on Sella ninety seven point one FM in Dabala, as well as Holy ninety eight point five FM in Aplau In Savannah, we are on Kasha ninety nine point five FM in Damongo. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Facebook, and we are interactive. Do join us with our WhatsApp message platform uh, on our WhatsApp platform zero five four nine nine eight six nine zero five four nine on Twitter, the hashtag to use a city newsroom, a tweet at Umaru Sanda or at city973. And the world here. what do you think? We are live on YouTube, we are live on Facebook and we are interactive. Let's kick off with Cecilia Abinadapa now, the minister who had to resign after going to complain to the police that her money had been stolen. Which money? Raised eyebrows. $1 million plus. Huge sums of millions of Ghana CDs. That led to her resignation from the Akufado government. She has been arrested. She has had her accounts frozen. She had had her money seized by the Office of Special Prosecutor. But when they went to court, the court said what the OSP did was wrong. Today we are hearing fresh information that the Special Prosecutor has seized the monies of Cecilia Abinadapa again, the former minister for water resources and sanitation, and also frozen her accounts. Hansen Ajiman is a man who is on top of that story. He's a court and legal correspondent. Hansen, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
4: Thank you, Sander.
1: What is this latest information coming from the Office of Special Prosecutor?
4: So, what we get from the Office of the Special Prosecutor is that the accounts related to Cecilia Dapa have been frozen again. And also, uh, the money that was found at her home has been seized. And essentially, what this means is that uh, the Office of the Special Prosecutor subsequently court order and and freeze the accounts at Prudential and Associated General to, in a way, satisfy the ruling of the court and then take another decision now to freeze those accounts again. That's the first part. Then the second part is that the Office of the Special Prosecutor handed over the money to Cecilia Dapa. That's the $590,000 and $2.73 million Ghana cities. And then collected back the money and say that he has seized that money. Essentially, this is the new update to the story.
1: What did the courts direct the OSP to do?
4: On the money, the court directed that within seven days, he should return the money to Cecilia Dapa. And if you look at the timelines within which the ruling was given, that was on August 31 and August 5, that is within that uh, timeline. The court also ordered that issue and freeze the, those accounts of Cecilia Dapa from the release that we've seen from the... Office of the Special Prosecutor, is gone according to the directives of the court. But after going according to the directives of the court, the Office of the Special Prosecutor is saying that he deems it appropriate to freeze those accounts again and to seize the money.
1: So, essentially what the court said was that what you did, you did not do through the right process, so return the money to her in seven days. And, and, uh, OSP has done that only to say that is that your money? Is it for you? Accept that it's yours. Here you are. And then re-seize it. That, that's in layman terms. That's what has happened.
4: Yes, rightly so.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Hansen, uh, for speaking to us. Hansen Ajiban is our legal correspondent. Trying to help us make sense of the, the the whole exercise that the OSP has been conducting. Let me just read for you uh, the full statement that has been issued by the Office of Special Prosecutor. And it says that the Office of Special Prosecutor has complied with the ruling and order of the High Court, Accra, dated 31 August 2023, by unfreezing the frozen bank account and investments of Cecilia Abnadapa. The OSP has also returned the seized cash sums of Miss Dapa. In the presence and in the presence and assent of Ms. Dapa and her lawyers, the satisfaction by the OSP of the order of the High Court terminates the proceedings of the seizure of the cash amounts from Ms. Dapa commenced on 24 July 2023 and the freezing of her bank accounts and investments effected from 26 July 2023. However, the investigation by the OSP in respect of Ms. Dapa for suspected corruption and corruption-related offenses involving the ownership and sources of large sums of money uh, associated with Ms. Dapa has been and is still ongoing, subsequent to the indicated ruling and order of the High Court and the compliance by the OSP with the said ruling and order, the ongoing investigation by the OSP of Ms. Dapa has uncovered varying and sometimes conflicting accounts of the ownership and source of large sums or large amounts of money reportedly stolen from her residence, the cash amount seized from her by the o s p and the nature and volume of transaction in her bank accounts and investments, consequently subsequent to the indicated ruling and in order of the high court and the compliance by the o s p with the said ruling and order, the special prosecutor conf- Considers that freezing the bank accounts and investments of Ms. Dapa is necessary to facilitate the ongoing investigations. Therefore, the special prosecutor has invoked his statutory power under Section Thirty Eight One of Act Nine Five Nine and Regulation Nineteen One of LI Two Three Seven Four by directing the freezing of the bank accounts and investments of Ms. Dapa effective Fifth September Twenty Twenty Three. Further. Subsequent to the indicated ruling and order by the High Court, and the compliance by the OSP with the ruling and order, the Special Prosecutor considers that um, he has reasonable grounds to suspect that the cash amount seized from um, from and returned to Ms. Dapa is tainted property and is necessary to exercise the power of seizure to prevent the concealment or loss of the cash amount. So that's a statement by the. Office of Special Prosecutor. Martin Pebo is a private legal practitioner. Uh, Counsel, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, The OSP had begun an exercise, which exercise was hit a snag, uh, because apparently the OSP did not follow the right procedure in doing the right thing. So the OSP did the right thing through the wrong way. Now it has gone to unfreeze the accounts and frozen them again. You reckon this would be the proper procedure that should have been adopted from day one and that this particular one would be successful on the part of the OSP?
5: Yes, we are all uh, hoping, uh, Sander, that this one, it will succeed. Uh, It will. Uh, It will because the first one, the judges complained about the timeline. So now that he has just re-seized, and so that means time has started ticking, definitely, when it comes to the currency seizure, Under Section 32, the uh, OSC has seven days within which to apply. So it means that we see that application within the next seven days. And when it comes to the freezing of the account, he has 14 days. So it also means that within the next 14 days, we see the uh, application to the court for freezing of the account. So it's even likely the two applications will go. Uh, at different times. Since so this one is within seven days, and the other one, you have fourteen days. Uh, naturally, if you have fourteen days, sometimes you want to wait a bit. But of course, nothing stops from, uh, Mr. Kishi being from filing both on the same day, quick, quick, quick.
1: And and what what but, would he be filing, saying to the court that what we have gone to seize this person's um money, and this is the reason we have seized it, and we want you to give us permission to continue to seize it while we conduct and ex- investigation. Is that what it means?
5: Absolutely. Just like the first one. So when it comes to the currency seizure, it's going to be like the first application. So that one, like uh, right, as you said, we 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 seize the money on the 5th of September because that's is 5th, so starting today. And that, so far, she's not been able to give credible answers as to the source of the money. Because, you know, let's not forget under the OSP Act, and also under the Constitution Article Two, Eight Six Clause 4. If we find you with money, and that money cannot reasonably be attributed to inheritance, your income, a gift, or a loan, then it's unexplained wealth. It's here. So you find those provisions during the OSP Act. So once it's not able to explain, hmm, then trouble. You see, so all those things will be dealt with. So do you see that uh, Sanda, in their statement, the OSP stated that she's not able to account for. And that's a very strong statement. So hopefully this time, maybe the OSC will even annex the statement she gave to the OSP. Maybe we'll annex them. Though it's not mandatory in law, but now that the stakes are very high, they can uh, annex the statement she gave. You know, when you go, there's what we call caution statement. They will warn you, warn you. Then they read your Miranda rights, the right to be silent, but if you say anything, it will be taken down and may be used in court against you. All those things. So the caution statement may be put in, and other things. then the currency seizure form. You know, they gave her notice to explain how she got the currency. What has she said so far? What are the answers? Maybe this time
6: they will go full
5: blast and put in all those statements. It? because uh, this is Sandra. This war, hey, we can't afford to lose it, too. Otherwise, Anda, you and I, tomorrow, on the country are more braved So this is how we have to fight to make sure that corruption doesn't thrive, to make sure that unexplained wealth doesn't thrive. So he'll do it. And then when it comes to the uh, freezing of the accounts, uh-huh, so that one, maybe he'll consider putting in the statement. Like we said, he can block out names and then ask that they want to do the rest of the hearing in camera so that maybe they would then give their full statement in camera to the judge. But if Mr Kise doesn't want too many names out at the same time, so that those people will come begging him, those people will be sending emissaries after him and distracting him. He may choose to do that.
1: When they say tainted money as has been captured in the statement, what does that mean?
5: Tainted means like you can't the illegal, illegal money. So Let's use a constitutional yardstick. This money that you are holding is not your income. It's not your inheritance. It's not gi- your gift. You see, uh-huh. and it's not a loan. And other sources are not genuinely given to you by somebody to keep. Don't Let's not forget that. Madame D'Apah initially uh, tried to, in respect of the one million, the one that was stolen from her, uh, what do you call it, um, Her residence, right? Uh That one, you know, initially she had said it belonged to her diseased brother. Then the diseased brother, uh, the diseased brother. So the diseased brother's wife pursued her. They were about filing a legal suit to recover the money from her. Then she beat a retreat and answered, no, 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 the money is hers. You see? So the point is that so far, you see, that she's not able to explain where all this gargantuan money is coming from. And that's important. Okay. That, look, this is corruption money. You remember people made a linkage between the World Bank contracts that she approved and the rest. You see, yeah, the World Bank, the outdoor drainage and the rest. Then they asked her in Parliament, Madam Dapa, what did you use the money from? <laughs> then she showed a bit of, uh, what, dredging of the outdoor and then that was it. Hmm? And then she over you over know, $48 million was gone.
1: Now... The OSP has issued... A, this is not the first time the OSP is issued a statement on this particular matter. Do you think it is about time the OSP gave us figures? Because it, the OSP keeps saying huge sums of money, amounts of money. Should we know the figure? Because even the issue of how much came up in the court, didn't it?
5: Absolutely, yes. And I am also very interested in that because, you see, when the OJABIN <laughs> didn't give us the figures, it can bother Madame Dapai and her lawyers who then attacked Joy FM, uh, who told you about the $5 million, the volume of transactions, and the $48 million, Ghana, who told you about those volumes of transactions, you see. So the Jamin uh, should disclose the, those, uh, that, that part of the evidence. At least, that's minimum, it's the, the, the least he can do. That will help so that it will... Make a, you know because it means the media, it needs you guys understand it means all of you to be able to help push the fight. And it's the figures that will excite us to get up, that come on. We will no longer search for our money to be uh, chopped like this, to be stolen like this. So he has to put the figures out to ginger the fight, to create the excitement. You see, I think that, that some people are calling media frenzy. What frenzy? Sometimes a frenzy that brings development. And when we say development, it's not just about fiscal buildings, but even the most important part of our development that we need today is an improvement in our ethics, the governance. So that thing people call media frenzy, I like to give up. When, when they say frenzy, then the media are up to scratch. Article 162, clause uh, 5. they're holding government accountable. So Mr. Gabin should bring those figures to drive the fight because then people become wild about what? Volume of transactions within a short period, $5 million. Then, uh, dollars. So can okay, imagine 5 times 12, that's $60 million Ghana. Then another account, volume of transactions, $48 million Ghana. When about 3 million of our people are living below the poverty line. 3 million of our people are living below the poverty line. So now the World Bank standard is 1 million, sorry, $1.90. That's just about maximum 24 Ghana cities. 24 ghana cities thunder about 10 million of our people are living on less than 24 ghana cities how much is your line how much is my line? so you see that poverty is a big problem oh, big so this madam Dapa, figures we are saying it's not a joke we will fight and we will support the being to our last breath that's how it has to be fought
1: okay thank you for speaking to us martin pebu is a private legal practitioner yeah. there giving us his views on the decision of the OSP to refreeze the unfrozen accounts of Cecilia Dapai and also seize monies that had been returned to her uh, upon a directive from the court. This is our news on 97.3 CTFM. A uh, lot of messages coming through, some pessimistic, some optimistic. Suli, uh, Sally, rather, in Boko says uh, the OSP is really trying this very, his very best to be independent as possible, but this MPP government will let him be. How can we fight corruption in this country? Alassane Hamdan from Nyoini South it says, uh, President Kufado has already cleared Cecilia So What is special prosecutor worrying himself about? This is a test case for the special prosecutor to prove it, prove him wrong. Aziz Donla Indua says, The OSP should up his game because his actions and inactions are becoming whimsical and capricious in this saga. Mr. OSP, the whole globe is watching your actions with keen interest. Tete Zuta in Accra says, I will caution Ghanaians. Not to have so much hope in the investigation by OSP over this Cecilia Park case. This government is very um, this government is capable of using the OSP to play the mind game with Ghanaians. Um, two possible outcomes he says either the investigation will never be concluded or the woman will be cleared by the president. In fact, we will demonstrate against the OSP. Um, if they decide to release, the frozen Adapa power comes back to her. In fact, Ghanaians would like to know if she acquired these huge sums of money and property legitimately. That's Honorable Ayuba from Yagbong in the Daboya-Mankarugu district, a constituency of the Savannah region. Do send your message to 0549-986-996.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
2: You welcome back. Let's do some more stories. Finance Minister Ken Ufuriata says Ghana is on course for the second tranche of the International Monetary Fund IMF loan in November to support government balance of payments for 2023 and 2024. The Bank of Ghana's June 2023 summary of economic and financial stability report shows that the bank's balance of payments at the end of June 2023 recorded a deficit of $107.8 million. This the bank said would by far lower than the deficit recorded during the same period in 2022. Speaking at the third GIPC CEO breakfast meeting in Accra, Mr. Fourietta said the government is ready to have its first review of the fund.
7: Um, but with regards to, to the fund, I think we are we we, we have done well and um, we continue to do we're gonna have our first um, review um, after the approval um, in November um, so we are working as we say Ghana, assiduously to make sure that uh, we are able um, to um, to meet that and, and I believe um, that that we will uh, there are a lot of conditions uh, to be met uh, but that's what uh, we, are, we are here for you um, uh, indicators, uh, so the quantitative performance indicators about six of them, um, indicative targets about three, and some structural benchmarks. But I think with all of that uh, we've got a long way um, to be ready for the mission uh, that comes at the end of um, at the end of September, um, so that we can try and get a staff level agreement while the mission is here, and then go to. Um, the board um, in November um, for the release of the second trench uh, which will be $600 million. Uh, in addition to that are um, uh, certain things we also need to do with the World Bank um, so that um, we can get our DPO uh, which would be another 300
2: well, the finance minister further expressed confidence in concluding talks with the Paris Club and its bilateral creditors by the end of the year.
7: We had um, some 91% participation, uh, 97% participation or so of the $7.7 billion. Uh, We also had about $740 million of um, U.S. denominated bonds um, and also we got about 92% participation Uh, And then uh, finally, we were able to strike a deal uh, with the pension funds of their 29.6 billion and got 95% it. So I believe now we have a certain sense of control um, as to um, what we pay uh, in coupons, and therefore give us um, some fiscal space um, to be able to do other things. So then we are left with concluding Um, our discussions with the Paris Club um, to get to a memorandum of understanding uh, for these bilateral facilities uh, and also the euro bonds. So those are in discussions. uh, I believe that uh, we will make good headway with that. We really expect um, that um, we should be able to uh, conclude um, both uh, this year uh, it's going to
2: be a lot of discussions, both of uh, the Paris Club uh, to fill the common framework and also the Europeans bonds
1: um, and investors. That was Finance Minister Ken Ofureata. This is news on 97.3 CTFM. Breaking news story coming through. Alan Kodjo-Charmantin has withdrawn from the new patriotic party's internal primary, seeking a flag bearer. That news is just coming through from the office of Alan Kodjo-Chermantin. And Sami Yafi is our correspondent at the presidency. He has just cited that uh, letter or statement and is joining us in studio. Alan Chhermantin was earlier scheduled to have a press conference this afternoon, which press conference has been cancelled. Now we have a statement signed by him. Sami Yafi was a statement saying, And because it's a long one, I want us to share it. Let's read it paragraph by paragraph uh, before we we do the analysis. So take the first paragraph. Let's go.
8: All right, Sandra. um, Thank you very much. Uh, As you mentioned, uh, press conference supposed to happen today. The first advertised time was 10 a.m. It was scheduled to 2 p.m. And later on, a statement came that it has finally been withdrawn. Uh, there's going to be any press conference. So this statement is just coming in from uh, Alan himself and signed by himself. He says, "Press statement by Honorable Alan chamante He said on Saturday, the 27th, on Sunday, the 27th August, 2023. I issued a public statement which made reference to the selection and shortlisting of presidential aspirants by the Special Electoral College convened by the New Patriotic Party on the 26th of August, 2023.
1: After having carefully analysed the results of the said elections, it is absolutely clear to me from events leading to, during and after the elections, that the Special Delegates Conference was strategically and tactically skewed in favour of one particular (laughs) aspirant.
8: The pronouncement made by some leading members of our party, both before and after the election, also lend weight to my observation.
1: The level of intimidation of of varying intensity, directly and indirectly, unleashed on a significant number of delegates at various voting centers across the 16 regions is unprecedented in the history of our party in addition the fact that my polling agent in the northeast region has suffered severe damage to his eyesight arising from his bold and courageous effort to ensure compliance with the very rules and regulations of the conduct of the elections as approved by the presidential elections committee will forever remain a dark spot in the history of internal elections within the party this incident and various acts vile. Of violence and and collusion reported in other voting centers are appalling, unconscionable, and despicable.
8: I am committed to, and the value of the safety of those who work with me. And for me, and I will always fight for their interest.
1: The question I keep asking myself is: How did we get here as a party in the first place, and how far are we prepared to tread on its on this dangerous path to self-destruction?
8: Regrettably, I am not convinced that the circumstances I referred to earlier will not persist or even be escalated in the next round of the election, for which balloting is scheduled to take place on Wednesday 6th of September 2023.
1: In light of the foregoing I wish to confirm that I am honorably withdrawing from the process that will lead to the presidential primaries to be held on the 4th of November 2023. In the next upcoming weeks I will provide an indication of the role that I will play in politics in Ghana after consultations with my family and other well wishers various stakeholders and interest groups.
8: I wish all the other aspirants were as they continue on this journey. I also wish to use the opportunity to express my profound gratitude once again to my family, the Alan for President campaign team and all my teaming supporters in Ghana and from around the world who have supported me in diverse ways over the years. Please be assured that the battle is still the Lord's, and that those who wait upon the Lord shall have their strength renewed.
1: God bless our homeland Ghana and make our nation great and strong. That's a statement signed by Alan Kodjoe Chairman, team, thank you so much, Samir, for helping us read that statement. Let me go on the phone lines and speak to Yabobina Samoa. He's a former MP for Denton and spokesperson of the Alan campaign team. Um, YB, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Is this to say, end of the game, goodbye to the game, or it is to say, things didn't go well, I want things to go right, and when they go right, I'll return? Which one is it that your boss is announcing to the Ghanaian population?
5: announcing to the Ghanaian population that he has withdrawn from this particular process. This process which is stacked in favor of one person and is stopping at nothing. It's not stopping at intimidation, it's not stopping at impunity, it's not stopping at engagement in order to secure uh, the vote for one particular person. And that process is what he has withdrawn from. And fortunately, I'm happy uh, to say that he recognizes the numbers of people who believe in him uh, and that he has acknowledged that belief. But he goes on to say that this process that is ongoing will not deliver their expectations. The expectations of him being selected as the leader in order to lead the party the realization of his vision uh, will not happen with this process. So, rightfully so, he is convinced and he has had the courage to drop out of this particular process. Whatever he chooses to do, in politics, and he says you consult and come back to us over the uh, next few weeks about what you do. I pray Ghana is not deprived of his exceptional talent. Uh, Alan is not your typical uh, politician with the uh, loud one-liners and uh, funny quips and all that, but he's a very deep thinker. And he gets things done. He's exceptional record in office. And, and now, uh, he's bringing uh, uh, and he's been pushing towards the party. Agenda 2030, which is innovative funding for party politics, the GTP, which is looking at how we uh, transform our economy and all those things. I think that I look forward to listening to him about how he intends to impact Ghana politics. So, yes, he's not dropping out of uh, uh, politics entirely from the statement, but clearly this is targeted at the process that's ahead of us uh, in terms of after November 4th.
1: Now, what he has done could be interpreted by critics to be chickening out of a race that he has suffered huge defeat. He comes third in a race that he was steeped to be first, or at least the first two. He gets defeated by two new entrants to a race he has been in for the past 16 years. What he has said in that statement amounts to someone who has been defeated but who not honorably a step down, but blaming the party for a defeat that he suffered, don't you think?
5: Yes. As for politics, you cannot stop people speculating and trying to put their own lenses on whatever happens. But the truth of the process that we are going through in the MPP is not MPP-like. It's not a democratic process. The party is acting with impunity. It is making rules and changing the rules at will. Everybody can see that going on. The last uh, social delegates conference was full of intimidation. We have all the stories. It is not important to tell the stories anew, but the process is said that escalated into November 4th. There is no way it will throw up a a, a candidate that has been willingly produced by delegates who have exercised their mandate freely and fairly. Comments is free, but facts and the courage of one's convictions are the most important. I think Alan should be commended for having the courage of his convictions. As to other opinions, it's a political space. Everybody will have a right to comment going forward.
1: Yeah, but again, people can comment except that he has not acknowledged the massive defeat he suffered. They should have acknowledged that and explained... Because, because, you see, one second, he, he keeps referencing an attack on one of his agents in one of 16 regions in northeast. If he lost NorthEast Region and one other regions, he could then say that his defeat in the NorthEast region was attributed to an assault on his agent. But he lost NorthEast, so did he lose so many other regions, including his home region and Yet the only thing he can point to in that statement is that there was intimidation and an assault on his agent in Northeast. Should he not simply say, "Listen, I think the m p p people do not like me at this time." And so I'm bowing out of this race and allow the MP people choose the one they re- believe is the right person to lead them. And apparently, I am not. It is it is not my turn after all. Should he not be honourable and do that as a uh, uh, senior politician? Unfortunately,
5: he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to say what you want him to say. Unfortunately, no, no. What I want him to say, but what he, he ought to say. What you want him to say. No, what he don't know ought what to say. In a statement. Mm. But, but you are saying what he ought to say. That means that's what you want him to say. it doesn't work that way. You are not within the party. We, we he has all been withdrawn. We are not going to go back and rehash all the incidents one by one. These are real things that are happening. The party knows what is happening. The party hierarchy knows what is happening. And my brother, it is not for us to sit on uh, your network and explain that. So if you choose that approach, that is your option. You are a commentator, so you have the right to see it the way you want to. But you can't compare things to see it your way. What is happening? And it will not lead to a willingness, a willing, uh, it, it will not lead to a coalition of the willing among delegates. How come somebody say that they've won something and the entire week uh, is being as quiet as a finger? So please, uh, what, who, are you who are you referring to, to? Who was first? This was not a contest to determine who was first or second. It was a selection. The selection is over. Mr. Martin believes that. He doesn't belong in this process because it is not a good process. It is not the right process. It is going against all the rules of fair democratic principles. It is being skewed deliberately. And it it has undertones of violence throughout the country, not just the Northeast. It has happened already. He's advised himself he's withdrawn from this particular process. He can't be faulted for that you are entitled to your own opinion, Mr. Umari Sander.
1: Do you also not, as a campaign team, think that maybe you will do better when it gets to the 200,000 delegates? So this withdrawal is premature?
5: I am thinking that Mr. Chitemake has made it very clear that he hasn't abandoned the political scene because he says that he will do something in politics. It's in the statement. I am looking forward to what, he implies in that. And, and I think I would
1: rather focus and wait for that. What he co- could he possibly be doing in politics again? What is left for him to do? I I
5: thought I heard you reading the statement.
1: Yes, he says that he'll announce what his next step or what his role is going to be. But I'm just wondering, could that mean that he would come again in the future? Is that one of the options on the table? Or this is it's is the end?
5: I think he has stated it clearly in the statement that he is going to consult stakeholders, family, broad uh, range of stakeholders, and that this is not the last of, that we hear of him. The battle remains a lot. The statement is very, very clear.
1: Let's talk about his role in the new patriotic party. The last time he had challenges in the party during an internal election, he resigned from the party. It became a blot on his image in the New Patriotic Party. Tonight he's is announcing a withdrawal in a crucial race like this one. Will MPP people ever forgive Alan Kojo Chamantin for these actions?
5: He didn't resign. He, it was a conditional letter that certain things that had to be corrected, things that were against his supporters, that had to be corrected. Once those things, there was commitment to correction, the letter you are talking about insisting was a resignation being conditional did not have effect so he did not resign and now he has withdrawn from a process that he has had the courage to define as being unfair skewed deliberately skewed full of intimidation he has a right to protect his supporters and so let's give him that opportunity
1: now this intimidation we've seen um Kennedy, announced publicly in a video that we saw where he said his agents were being intimidated. Alan Kojuchamantin has listed what happened to his agent in northeast region. Kennedy Jepon, who was very furious, has not resigned or left the race. He's still in the race. Why would your boss decide to do that, considering that he was even third?
5: I'm not in a position to determine Kennedy Jepon's campaign strategy.
1: I'm sorry. Okay. What is the decision? Would he support any of the candidates because he's wishing them well? Is he going to wish any of the top 4? He
5: has wished, he has wished them well.
1: Would he support he any wished. of them?
5: He has wished them well.
1: Would he support any of them?
5: He has wished them well. That's I think what the statement says.
1: Is a campaign team effectively disbanded?
5: I don't think there's anything like that in the statement.
1: Why would you still have a campaign team when you're not going into a race? I just wanted to know because I'm asking this because I want to know what
9: Yababina I'm not in the position to be I'm asking this because I want
1: to know what is going to do next and what is left I, for.
5: I, I have always been and I will always be.
1: <laughs> Are you going to switch camp now that one camp has become dormant? I have
5: always dumbass? been and I will
1: always be. Have always been NPP and always be NPP. I, I will always be. <laughs> Are you going to switch camp?
5: I have always been and I will always be.
1: Thank you for speaking to us and wish you all the best, sir. My pleasure, bro. That's Yau Samoa. He's a lawyer. He's a former member of parliament for Denton. He's a spokesperson for the Alan Chermantin campaign team. If you're just joining us, the breaking news is that Alan Chermantin has withdrawn from the new patriotic party's upcoming November 4 delegate's election. He has catalogued a, a number of reasons for which reason he thought he should bow out of the race. He thinks the race Uh, Has not been fair intimidation and uh, skewed particular uh, towards one particular candidate and among a number of issues that he has highlighted there. So he will not be part of the race. That means Dr. Bahamud Baumia remains uh, on that list. Uh, Kennedy Japon remains on that list. Um, Dr. Usui Friyakoto remains on that list. And the latest entrance uh, member of parliament former for Mampong, the Honorable Francis Adainimo. Also, on that list, which means that it's going to be uh, four persons going into that race on November 4. Recall that uh, Chemantia Jaku had also um, announced his disinterest in the race, also highlighting a number of issues having to do with the runoff of the super delegates. Primaries. This is eyewitness news on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our, our studios in Nadabrakai. If you want to read more, go to our website, citynewsroom.com. The story is there. The details of why Alan Chamantin decides to opt out of the race is there for you to read. This is eyewitness news. We'll be back.
0: Eyewitness news. Be there as it happens.
2: now, President Akufo-Addo says the ban on illegal mining, also known as Galamse, is yielding positive results towards the aim of reducing carbon emissions. Activities of illegal miners in Ghana have contributed largely to the pollution of water bodies and the destruction of forest reserves, posing a challenge to dealing with with the impact of climate change. Speaking at the 2023 Africa Climate Summit in Nairobi in Kenya, President Akufo-Addo outlined a series of measures taken by the government in tackling climate change in Ghana.
3: Ghana's nationally determined contributions towards combating climate change have been fully incorporated into government's coordinated program for economic and social development policies to facilitate their implementation. We have introduced major policy interventions that have development and climate projection imperatives. Our flagship programs, whether they are the programs for planting for food and jobs, or one village, one dam, or one district, one factory, are all geared towards boosting industrialization and rural development as well as building our resilience to the impacts of climate change. The strategic focus of the One Village, One Dam initiative, for example, in the northern regions of our country, is to provide all year round access to water to smallholder farmers who practically have no viable livelihood alternatives during the long dry season. We're also determined to make natural gas, which we have in abundance, available for the generation of electricity. We placed a ban on illegal mining, the phenomenon we call Galance, which was destroying our water bodies, vegetation, and our forests. Some 20,000 young people have been engaged to plant more than 30 million trees in two years, To create jobs and restore degraded land. These policy initiatives are already using positive results to the attainment of the SDG goals, particularly the goal of reducing our carbon emissions. Additionally, I've established an advisory group of prominent private sector chief executives who are setting up a 100 million. SDGs Delivery Fund and the $200 million Green Fund to complement government's efforts at tackling climate change and funding the implementation of the SDGs. Whilst we strive to do our bit to halt climate change at the national level, we expect also a lot to be done at the international level. One major issue of concern to us is the need to streamline access to international climate finance to complement national funding. I believe this forum will throw more light on practical ways to mobilize financial resources to support the implementation of national climate actions, especially how we can guarantee a different future from the past and ensure that the commitments of the developed world towards climate finance which have not been met in the past,
2: will be met in the future. That was President Ekufadu speaking
1: there. This is news on 97.3 CTFM. So he says that we have done well in the fight against Galamsee and we are seeing some uh, positive results uh, in the country. He was speaking in Farawi Nairobi, Kenya. Is it really the case on the ground that we have seen positive results? Uh, Engineer Kenashigbe, is convener of the Media Coalition Against Illegal Mining, uh, has some data on how we have fared in the fight against Galam. say Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You've listened to the president's true account of what is on the ground or departure of the reality, from the reality. Well, um, uh, well,
10: Omar, you, you, sh- you should be telling us this. Uh, rather than myself, you have been reporting it, uh, the incidents uh, since we started this fight in 2017. And you know, let me just read for you uh, a, a portion of a statement issued, a rejoinder issued by uh, the Forestry Commission. Part of it, we thank uh, Media House for shining the light on the destruction of large portions of the once large forest reserve and an important watershed through illegal mining. We believe that such documentaries help draw attention to grave national issues where public support is urgently required to address it. You know, and they then go ahead and say, uh, you know, they want to put matters in perspective. But they I mean the Forestry Commission. After one of your media, uh, your sister media houses had, uh, uh, you know, shown a documentary. Agree that this is what has happened. The Ghana Water, uh, the PRC, has slapped one an increase in water tariffs, and the reason is just because of the cost. Of uh, uh, um, uh, treatment of water to the extent that the chemicals that Ghana Water uses no more effective, and they have to now use polymers rather in treating the water. So Today, if you know, we have seen situations, and if you go to Kofarnihia now, you have situation where there a lot of these stillbirth babies being born, children being very deformed. It will be interesting to find out what the turbidity of uh, uh, our water bodies currently are. In the recent past, we have seen the situation where uh, Otuvo has had to dissuade some chiefs because of their involvement in Galamsee. We've seen the destruction to a lot of our forests. We've seen recently that people are talking about the fact that even the 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 water the in uh, in the north are, are being threatened. We've had the situation where it's been said that the Bui dam is even under threat uh, from Galamsey. We recently saw the, the the Minister for Road and Highways, uh, you know, uh, cause the arrest of some excavators that were going into the forest, and he talked about the fact that these were people who were. Uh, not patriotic citizens, and uh, we're destroying, you know. So uh, we have the situation where the president himself has had to dismiss the Bosomifero, uh MCE, you know. F- what on tape, confessing to an illegality who has not been prosecuted. We had a situation where the Minister for Land and Natural Resources pointed out that the MPP, Ashanti Regional, uh, Chairperson, you know, a, a company, uh, Akontamain, was involved in an illegality, which are still waiting uh, for the, di- the Director General CID to prosecute. So in terms of the empirical evidence on the ground, I will just give you these ones. And then you need to put that on the back of the fact that the president said they banned illegal mining. Yes, they did. There was a moratorium placed on it. It was raised uh, that 2000, uh, 20,000, uh, you know, young people have planted 30 million trees. But how many more trees have been destroyed? You know, you have the situations where you have the likes of Heritage Imperial going into the forest where they're, you know, with prospecting licenses with 18 excavators and destroying, you know, the land and nothing has happened to them. So I would want, uh, you know, as a social scientist, I would want to look at the empirical evidence and we should just suppose that to that. Yes, some activities have been taking, uh, actions have been taken by government, but what is the impact of it?
1: So essentially you are saying it is true we've taken a huge step forward, but we've taken a number of them back. So...
10: Oh, yes, a lot of them. And I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say time.
1: millions of steps back.
10: No, no, no. I, you know, I'm just, I, I just keep on saying that the fight against illegal mining is a war. We've won a few of the battles, but a lot of the battles are being lost. A lot of them are being lost. To the extent that now, Omar, me and you, we are paying extra for water. Just because a few people are benefiting from raping, uh, you know, our lands. You know, the World Bank has stated that if we continue the way in which we are exploiting uh, our natural resources, it is, you know, our, our exploitation of our natural resources is going to be unsustainable. This is a report that's been issued by the World Bank. You know, so I would want us to look at the empirical evidence. To say if you do the total, are we progressing or we are not? And you see, again, I'm careful because the president said, you know, contribution to SDDs. SDDs. My, my grandmother in Chiama, for example, you know, does not feel SDDs. But yes, she has to go and buy water. My auntie, there's one of my mother's, you know, me, my mother is a nurse. There's one of my mother's friends who's a nurse. Her land in somewhere in Western North. I'm trying to fight for it because of am are taking it. Go and tell that old lady that, you know, we're winning the war you know,
1: he'll he tell you no. Ha, huh. thank you for speaking to us, uh, Doc. Thank you. As engineer Ken he he's convener of the Media Coalition Against uh, Illegal Mining, responding there to the president's uh, statement that the fight against galamsey we are seeing um, some positive results. Um, the verdict is what uh, Ken Ashikbe has been trying to catalog for us today by highlighting a number of challenges and problems related. As we speak, we are paying one CD each on water or for the on the water bill we pay because of C. You have other stories, don't you,
2: Yes, I do. The Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana, CTAG, has suspended a strike following a directive by the National Labour Commission to return to the classroom as it works with government to fulfil their demands. The one-month industrial action was as a result of the government's failure to honour the NLC's (coughs) arbitral award orders and the negotiated conditions of service since May 2, 2023. Speaking to City News, on the suspension of the strike, the national president of CTAG, Prince Obengema, says they are hopeful NLC will work in the best interest of the teachers.
11: You will recall that at the last meeting at the NLC, the NLC directed us to call off the strike because in their opinion, the government had complied largely with the ruling. And where they have not complied, they had also compelled them to give timelines to indicate when and how those things will be done. So on the basis of that, we were to call off them so that they will get opportunity to supervise and refree the full implementation of, uh, I mean, those are the items. We say that, uh, well, uh, we needed to touch base with our people because the decision to call off the action or to determine, strike I mean, to go on strike rests with the rank and file per our constitution. So we communicated the decision to members and asked members to Engage by way of uh, voting on the decision, whether we're complying with the NLC directive or divine. At the end of the vote, the people unanimously decided that we have to off the action. So that is where we are. On the strength of that, we are coming out with a formal letter to the NLC to communicate that to them, and also a directive to our members, so that we'll give them up to Thursday to be able to report to their stations, because within the period, some may have travelled and what so we will be able to work. So that's where we are in the
2: Mr. Obinhema further says leadership of CTAG will further engage relevant authorities to have their August salaries restored.
11: Yeah, we were in paid. But we calling off the action has nothing to do with the salary freeze because you recall that information about the salary freeze came earlier and that we decided that with or without salary we were going to press on. So we're at a point that we feel like the commission has given directive and as a law-abiding uh, organization. Even though we may not have fully agreed with the commission in the ruling or in the totality of the ruling, we believe in the rule of law. You go to court, you won't have it all your way. So in the light of that, we have decided to suspend the action. We will have to engage. And officially, the National Labour Commission in their ruling acts that we call off the action to give them opportunity to intervene in the salary fee. So we're looking forward to uh, they intervening and subsequently having the salary paid to us. We're going to engage to ensure that the members get a salary work. We have said that in our case, we are not like medical doctors and other people in other fields where you go on strike and the patient you ought to have seen yesterday, you won't have the chance to see that patient tomorrow. In our case, we have our course outlines, all the items on the course outlines we are going to teach not one hour that we have resumed. So I think uh, morally and uh, logically, we have to be given a salary
2: heard the National President of Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana, Prince Obing Hima.
1: Now, the ultimate winner of the season five edition of City of and City TV's Voice Factory is set to get a fully paid trip to the United Arab Emirates. The 11 finalists, who have had a 13-week journey of themed competition, are gearing up for the final night on September 16, 2023, where the winner will be crowned. The Voice Factory is a singing competition, that gives talented Ghanaian singers the chance to showcase their vocal abilities and compete for the ultimate prize of 20,000 Ghana cities and the title of Ghana's next music star. Now, one of the sponsors for the competition is not only making it possible for the crowned winner, the bragging rights and a grand prize of 20,000 cities, but also a fun experience in Dubai. Yes, operations manager of Copan Hospitality Travel Limited, Princella Siedu making the offer.
12: Working with an esteemed organization like City is one thing. Is one thing we always want to do. And then also, when we think about the fact that these people are going to go through, it, it's a thirteen-week something that you have to always keep up and be on the top. We feel it's a lot of work that these people need. Whoever is the winner needs a reward after everything. So we thought, why not after going to the of stress trying to keep all the stress that you've been through getting to the top we don't put a, we don't invest a lot in trade ads, but you find out that we have a lot of them so with these reality shows many a time we find out that people who come out of it people who are the winners don't get to go far when they are here so we also felt that they be giving the opportunity giving them the opportunity for them to go out there to See um,
1: what is out there and then probably the opportunities that they can have. That's uh, Prinsella she she's operations manager of Copan Hospitality Travel Limited. Now, the voice factory season five is brought to you by Ebony Condoms, refreshed by Eddie's Pizza. Official voting partner is Nalo Solutions, refreshed by McBerry Twist Cupcake, sponsored by Copan Hospitality. The voice factory is powered by City TV with support. From 97.3 City FM Alisa Hotel, Linash Beauty Parlor, and stitched by Winnie. Up next is Business News from City Business Desk
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Sales. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed.
2: I could see all you here with City Business News on Eyewitness News powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details. Economist Dr. Patrick Isuming is optimistic Ghana will be able to receive the second tranche of $600 million from the International Monetary Fund, IMF after a program review later this month a visiting team from the fund is expected to arrive in ghana to assess the country's eligibility for the second disbursement or ghana received the first tranche of six hundred million dollars in may as part of the three billion dollar extended credit facility secured from the fund to restore Ghana's macroeconomic stability. Now speaking to City Business News, Dr. Isumin believes Ghana has been able to make the resilient economic reforms to stand the chance of receiving the second tranche.
13: Based on the the indicators and the actions that have been taken so far, you expect that you know the IMF, you know, the staff will recommend and probably the board will approve that the next tranche. I think, um, you know, some of the indicators have stabilized, you know, some have probably marginally improved. But if you look at the actions that government is supposed to take, you know, for the upcoming review, uh, you know, the legal framework that has to be done, uh, you know, changing the Bank of Ghana Act to curtail VOG lending to the government and related matters and then also passing or bringing some of the new measures to bring more revenue you've got the sense that the government has done enough so my expectation is that when the IMF team come on board they will probably find the progress made favorable enough to approve the next tranche
2: you heard the economist Dr Patrick is away from that the coalition of aggrieved customers of men's gold are calling on the Attorney-General to expedite justice in the ongoing case against the CEO of the company, Nanapia Mensa. This is on the back of recent assurances by the AG Godfrey Iwadame, where he indicated his commitment to ensuring that the customers of the defunct gold dealership company receive justice. Over four years after the collapse of Benz Gold, hundreds of customers are yet to receive payment ...of their locked-up investments... ...despite assurances by the management of the company and the government. Speaking to City Business News, Fred Forcing... ...a spokesperson for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold... ...expressed optimism in the age's renewed interest in the case.
6: It's a welcoming news that at long last... ...even though four years of wasted time in the lower courts... With no action now, the Attorney General has come up, and after filing the new TEC-9 charges, is giving this assurance. And it's our hope that the case, after four years of delay, now there will be new energy. He will demonstrate the new efforts. We are even calling for speedy trial, daily trial. But we believe that looking at the national character of the of the case. When he, he applied to the court for delay charge, so at the end of the day, there will be justice. And we want speedy justice. Over oh. 210 people have died already. So when we get justice within the shortest possible time, it will help. We take him by his way and we commend him for the efforts that he's putting in the case for the past one week.
2: Fred Forson speaks for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Defunct Men's gold. Now, trade volumes between Africa and Canada increased by a little over $15 billion in 2022, which is a significant improvement compared to pre pandemic figures. This is according to the Canadian High Commissioner to Ghana, Her Excellency Martine Moreau, who says it is a testament to the resilient trade relations that exist. Uh, between Ghana and Canada. Although 2022 trade volumes recorded an increase, she maintains that by leveraging on the African continental free trade area, these figures could be further improved to boost economic resilience. Here's Canadian High Commissioner to Ghana, Her Excellency Martine Moreau, speaking on the bilateral, uh, bilateral trade relations.
14: Last year, total trade in merchandise between Canada and Africa surpassed $15 billion, representing a 56% increase over pre-pandemic figures. Canadian investments over the last four years have been increasing at an annual rate of 12.5%. More than 100 Canadian-owned companies conduct mining operations in Africa. Our development programs, partnerships, continue to contribute to the strengthening of many rural economies, notably by promoting economic growth, improving health, sanitation, agricultural systems, and mitigating the impacts of climate change. But despite the recent growth in our bilateral trade with Africa, the continent still only accounts for 1% of Canada's global merchandise trade and outward investments. While we continue to benefit from existing opportunities, we also recognize the tremendous economic potential to be realized through the implementation of the African Continental Free Trade Agreement.
2: That was the Canadian High Commissioner to Ghana, Her Excellency Martine Moreau. Now, government has reiterated its commitment to providing financial assistance to Ghanaians to enable them afford decent accommodation. According to the Ministry of Works and Housing, government is working with private estate developers to support individuals who are unable to afford their own homes. Speaking at the commissioning of an ultra-modern 40 estate housing unit financed by the State Housing Company Limited at Amranhia in Accra, the sector minister, Francis Asensu explains government renewed or reviewed housing programme to support low and middle income earners. Now, in a better to promote sustainable and eco-friendly farming practices, farmers in Ghana have been urged to transition from conventional chemical-based methods to organic alternatives. The appeal was made during a stakeholder forum organized by Organic Farming Aid in Accra. Speaking to City Business News on the sidelines of the forum, the CEO of OFA, Henry Abraham, emphasized the numerous benefits of adopting organic farming techniques. But the truth is, synthetic fertilizers are possibly the worst single product
15: on the planet for the climate. Something like 3% of greenhouse gas emissions, global warming gases, come from uh, synthetic fertilizers. Partly because it takes a lot of energy to make them, partly because it takes a lot of energy to transport them. You see all those ships on the high seas carrying bags of fertilizer, and partly because once you use a fertilizer, in the soil nitrogen based fertilizer npks like and so on some of it is not used by the plants but stays in the soil microbes convert it to nitrous oxides. nitrous oxides are 300 times more dangerous for the climate than co2 and um, so those three things together mean that uh, synthetic fertilizers are probably the worst single product on the planet on the planet So if you can reduce their use, which you can with offer, and save money at the same time, we're not asking people to spend more. We're saying save yourself money and save the planet at the same time. To me, that's a message that people can buy.
2: That was Chief Executive Officer of Organic Farming Aid, Henry Abraham. And in City Business News, on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Akwesia Optre and up next is Point Blank.
0: Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. <music>
1: This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Tonight on Point Blank, we'll talk about the Bank of Ghana. But before then, if you are just uh, tuning in, there's breaking news story that I brought to you a few minutes ago. It has to do with Alan Kwadjo Chamantin. He has withdrawn from the New Patriotic Party's internal race. He has simply said to the New Patriotic Party, carry your flag, Berago. I won't do again." He says that there's been intimidation. Of his uh, campaign officers and supporters and candidate, not candidates, but um, agents in the election. He says the, flame, the playing field has not been fair. He's been skewed towards one particular candidate, so he will not be part. In fact, balloting was scheduled for tomorrow, September 6, um, Wednesday, September 6, 2023. He says he will not be part of that, and he was not going to be part of the race on November 4. But let's talk about the bank of ghana the minority side in parliament has been on the bank of ghana's governor and his deputies to resign they say that they have um, mismanaged the central bank now while we are looking at that there's new story from a member of the minority side and he says the bank of ghana new headquarters will cost government more than 400 million cities and this he describes as, as a result of reckless land acquisition by the BOG. The man making the claim is Honorable Samuakujetua Blackwater. He speaks for the minority on foreign affairs matters and is also Member of Parliament for North Tongue. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News.
16: Hi, Omaru. Thank you for having me.
1: What new information have you gleaned? For which reason you are saying that we should expect to pay more for the Bank of Ghana? Uh, land and headquarters which is already, you know, costing so much
16: Well, thank you very much and good evening to all distinguished listeners of CTFM The latest information we have gathered is that the the controversial 222.79 million United States dollars Bank of Ghana head office project is being constructed on is land that is under severe and fierce litigation. We are beginning to see all the project management problems that attended upon the National Cathedral project. Uh, that project, as you recall, has become an iconic symbol for how not to go about projects. Terrible project management, inflationary pricing, underhand dealings I and mean, the scandals that I've associated, uh, with that project is, 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 is really a litany. Now, the documents we have intercepted are court documents which confirm that this land in issue has been attached in uh, a consent judgment which has been secured by Ivory Finance. It turns out, Umaru, that a company known as ITAL Construct International Limited, ITAL Construct International Limited, had gone for a loan from Ivory Finance on the 10th of April, 2013 a loan amount of 19.3 million Ghana cities. A condition for securing that loan from Ivory Finance was that Itel construct must present a bond guarantee from a reputable firm. Itel construct secured that bond guarantee from SIC and then proceeded to receive the credit facility. Somehow, ITAL Construct defaulted in the payment of this 19.3 million Ghana CD facility it secured in 2013. That compelled Ivory Finance to take steps to recover the monies they had extended to ITAL construct. They had to also fall on the uh, the the bond guarantee. SIC clearly did not cooperate from the court document we are reviewing because the board of SIC is insisting that the CEO acted without their consent and that they put out a public notice in the year 2000 that they were no longer going to extend these credit guarantees and that the CEO really was on a frolic of her own. Now, that is what led Ivory Finance to then attach this land, this same land at West Ridge, opposite the Ridge Hospital, and proceeded to court to recover the uh, money that they gave to ITAL Construct. What we are reading from the court document, tons of court documents, this is about 10 years of fierce litigation, we see that that land is heavily embroiled in litigation. And really, if the Bank of Ghana had done due diligence, they ought not to have gone anywhere near that land. Because as we speak, the consent judgment secured by Ivory Finance has not been set aside. Now, this consent judgment of twenty-six November 2014 has that land attached to it. So that is land which is really encumbered, which technically is not available. Now, we have also noticed that the president decided to execute an executive instrument. In other words, he exercised his eminent domain authority and decided to compulsorily acquire the land in issue. Now, Article 20 of the 1992 Constitution is very, very clear. is unambiguous. Indeed, Article 20 provides that no property of any description or interest in or right over any property shall be compulsorily taken possession of or acquired by the state unless the following conditions are satisfied. A the taking of possession or acquisition is necessary in the interest of defense, public safety, public order, public morality, public health, town and country planning, or the development or utilization of property in such manner as to promote the public benefit. But clause two provides that compulsory acquisition of property by the state shall only be made under a law which makes provision for A, the prompt payment of fair and adequate compensation, and B, a right of access to the High Court by any person who has an interest in or rights over the property, whether direct or an appeal from any other authority for the determination of his interest or right and the amount of compensation to which he is entitled. So the checks we have conducted indicate that this constitutional provision has been violated. The parties who have an interest in this land, who are in court litigating, have not been compensated. The president is in gross violation of this constitutional provision. But you see, the more fundamental issue is that when you set out to carry out public projects in the national interest, you must make sure that you pursue a path that is cost-effective, a path that protects the public purse, a path that would not incur needless cost to the already struggling taxpayer. This path that has been embarked upon is the most reckless path because if they had done due diligence and they had realized that, look, already this land is accumulating so much money, look, the consent judgment, if you read it, already ITAL construct and SIT must be paying Ivory Finance 91 million Ghana cities. And this is from five years ago. So if you look at inflation, you look at, you know, the interest, which is 5.5% per month, and then an 8% monthly penalty for defaulting in payment. I mean, very, very stringent and expensive. It's a very expensive facility. So the conservative estimate is that the taxpayer will have to cough up in excess of 400 million guarantees for this land. Well, if really, that is a project that we should even be embarking on in the first place, considering that this is a central bank which has Made the biggest losses in its history, 60.8 billion. Uh, A central bank which is really insolvent now, which has no reserves, which has negative equity in excess of 55 billion, and all of that. If really this is a project that, in the midst of this crisis, this mess, you should be embarking on, is this the only land that is available? So, once again, we are seeing what happened with the National Cathedral, where they decide that this is where we want this project it doesn't matter what is in our way we will bulldoze everything in our way and you saw the demolitions that happened with the national cathedral that is a similar thing we are seeing here and now these uh parties have gone back to court they are uh, initiating action demanding their money their compensation which has accumulated and a fresh compensation under Article 20 of the Constitution. So it, it, it's just a messy situation. And for an institution like the Bank of Ghana, I mean, that should really, you know, have some of the best experts and, and technical know-how in this country. You wonder what is going on. Are they not doing due diligence at all? And you see, they cannot claim that they do not know because my investigations reveal that as far back as August 2019, Bank of Ghana approached Ivory Finance and SIC and made an offer of 100 million Ghana cities. Bank of Ghana wanted them to share it in equal parts 50-50 so that they have access to that land. There was some feet dragging, Ivory Finance was not keen and uh, of course, we saw a lot of arm twisting. Subsequently, uh, Ivory Finance was put under receivership, mm. and the Bank of Ghana uh, used their almighty uh, uh, supervisory role to virtually collapse Ivory Finance and try to take over, mm. you know, the land. Uh-huh. So it's, it's, it's a really messy situation, and this approach just highlights the recklessness. That has really brought us where we are, where really, I mean, if, you, if you're speaking honestly, we now have a bankrupt, insolvent central bank, and you have a, a central bank that starts an office project at $81 million, and now, as you speak, is in excess of $222.7 million. If you put the cost of land together, you add it, we are now in the region of about $300 million. Think about that. That is. Three point five billion Ghana cities are today's exchange. I mean, I was just reading page two two nine of the twenty twenty three budget statement. And Umaru, none of the flagship programs listed there comes anywhere near this amount of three point five billion. Not free SHS, not uh, road intervention projects, not planting for food and jobs. Three point five billion Ghana cities. And and, and 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 you wonder where is Prioritization. Where is protection of the public purse? Where just, is leadership in this
1: country? I just have one question before we go. Um, is it possible that the judgment debt or the money that ought to be paid would be paid by the original owners of the land before BOG took over and so the BOG may not be obligated to make any payment whatsoever so we'll not be losing the money you fear that we'll lose?
16: No. Um, my reading of Article 20 of the Constitution, that's not how. Once the government steps in and the government is, is uh, engaged in compulsory acquisition, which it did on the 12th of October 2020, the onus is on government to pay. And my checks indicate that all of those who have interest in this land have not been paid.
1: And so it, it comes to the, the state and the state has to make that payment through the BOG.
16: I don't know where the, the state will get the money from, whether BOG or Ministry of Finance. The constitution doesn't specify. All the constitution says is that once the president exercises that authority, those who who's, whose land, who have an interest in the land, are entitled to compensation, and that compensation must be paid. And in this case, because they have gone to choose this land, engage in this terrible choice. It comes with a lot of encumbrances, all mm-hmm. of this accumulated debt and then the cost of compensation, which was totally avoidable. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a country with so much available land all over the place. And to see the, the, the president and the Bank of Ghana set their eye on this particular land with all of this additional cost that comes with it, you know, it's, it's, it's mind boggling.
1: Very well. Thank you for speaking to us there. Always welcome. That's Honorable Samuel Jetua Blackwise, MP for North Town. That's it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umar Rusanda Amadou. I did this with um, Akosya Otre production by Kobna Wilson, um Bevelin, Bevelin London, and uh, Sami. We have technical support from Daniel Squashi and Edwin Kwakofi supporting us with the new media side of things. We're making way now for EPL pitch show. And uh, that's coming up next with the uh, EPO Pitch Side Podcast. Forgive me, uh, Benjamin Ketia and the sports team. That's, comes, uh, that's coming up in a bit. Thank you for listening. Good night. <music>
0: news we speak first reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on facebook city97.3fm and on twitter at city973